What's up, everyone? This is the Ty and Bob Pod with Bob McGinn here at Go Long. I'm Tyler Dunn. Thank you so much for listening to all three of our podcasts that go along. This pod, Favre with Brett Favre, the Go Long Show with Jim Monas, and of course for reading all of our coverage at the site. Bob, how you doing, my friend? Good. I'm uh, fresh off a weekend in Milwaukee seeing my son, Charlie Tyler, and uh, we golf 54 holes in a day and a half. That's not your game, Tyler, that golf, is it? 54 holes of golf? <laughs> I just can't. I can't do it. I can't see it. I never got the appeal. Uh, sell me on it. Why am I dead wrong? Because I know I'm in the minority. I know everybody... They get to my age, you know, 37, right on through your age, 92. Well, we played down 92. in Lake Geneva at this Geneva National Course. And 8.24, we teed off. It was about 45 degrees. And all day long, now, winds were steady, I'd say, between 15 and 25. But the sun was out. Beautiful. I mean, it was just a gorgeous fall day in, uh, in Wisconsin. That was great. And then let me go to Sunday. We played Brown Deer, home of the U.S. Bank Classic from 1995 to 2009. Pat and I went to the, uh, the U.S. Bank Classic about seven times, and we always sat on the left side of number seven of par three, right up uh, right on the side of the green where the <laughs> cup was. I swear, there were no hardly any gallery ropes. The gallery was small. And the cup was always right where we had our lawn chairs parked. It was awesome. You could tell what kind of ball the players were using, the name of their on their shirts. Um, so I want to mention this, Tyler. We played also with Gary D'Amato. Hey, your friend, love Gary. Your, your friend and mine, the distinguished erudite golf writer at the Journal Sentinel. And he did everything else for us, too, you know. Gary an all-around great person, I got to say that. Correct, no doubt. Immaculate human being. And he is so fun to play golf with because he knows everything about equipment, technology, golf history, uh, everything. So he and I talked a lot when we were walking the fairways at, at uh, Brown Deer, a public course. We're seeing ghosts of, you know, Alex Cheka or Miller Barber or Kermit Zarley, or Kyle Triplett, and on and on. And Gary was telling stories on every hole from all those years covering it. It was a great deal, Tyler. Do you drink when you're on the course? Hell no. No? No. That's the only reason I'd go out. You're not alone. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, uh, well, I went on... Colin Cowherd's podcast after this uh, football game that we'll get into, which was, let's just say it's a good time for the bye week for the Green Bay Packers, as we'll we'll dissect. Uh, but I popped on there, and I don't know, maybe some of the listeners know this is Colin's thing. It cracks me up. I think it's great. He caught a lot of heat for it. But Colin said he does not hire avid golfers. You know, he's got this big podcast empire, the volume. He's got the herd at Fox Sports 1. He's... Just one of the, you know, excellent sports uh, analysts. You know, we call them t- talking heads too often, but he, he does a really good job, in my opinion. 
a wide range of opinions. But he really believes that if you are golfing all the time, that you're not dedicating yourself to your profession as much as you probably should be. I think he got into Tony Romo that way. He was criticizing Tony Romo for slipping up a little bit last year, not doing his homework. And he said, oh, Tony's probably out on the golf course a little too much. So I'm with Colin. I I think in his interviews, he'll just ask somebody like, do you like golf? And if they say, oh, I love golf. I go out every weekend. He's not going to hire that person. Now, let me say this in my own defense, Tyler. I got off the beat in May of 2017, right? After 40 plus years. I never played a day of golf after I started work in the summer, maybe July 20th when I came back off vacation. I never played one hole of fall golf or anything in August. So once camp started and my job started, there was no golf. Now you're my I'm not taking a shot at Bob. I'm, I'm, I'm leading to a question. Like how in the hell is it even possible to have the career you've had you know, working harder than anybody I know in the business. And I'm not just saying that because I'm looking at you right now. There is Bob McGinnis in his own stratosphere, although everybody listening to this podcast knows that. Like, how in the hell did you kind of become this McCann winner, Hall of Famer while golfing all the time? Ugh. You can't. I mean, Colin's right. I, you know, good. not many coaches are really good golfers, least successful coaches. And I think it's maybe the same for writers, you know. Yeah, it takes too much time. That's the beauty of it now because I'm semi-retired. But, you know, you're right. You're dead right. Right. I'm just like alienating half of our audience, probably like three quarters of our audience here. Like, <laughs> golf is also just an excuse to, for people to get away from their wives and kids, right? That's, a, that's probably why a lot of people do it, too. <laughs> yeah. I'll just hang out with Ellen, Sonny on the weekend and, you know, <laughs> fly down here to Houston to be around the Texans for a few days. Yeah, will uh, be interesting. Tyler, Coming at you live from the Springville from the Spring Hill Suites. You're going to be writing all this stuff on the Houston Texans, Tyler. As I told you earlier, I think I know less about that team than any in the National Football League. I am really excited to read what you come back with from uh, Houston, Texas. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Uh, same here, honestly. Uh, one of those teams, I think, that's been on pause for two years, right? You go from David Culley to Lovey Smith. They really weren't actively trying to win football games, if they were being honest with themselves. And, man, they pulled the trigger this offseason. D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, trading up for Will Anderson. They signed a lot of veterans. I was just in the locker room before we hit record here. I'm looking around. I'm seeing Robert Woods. I covered him when he, he was with the Bills. He's Obviously, a Super Bowl champion with the Rams. Devin Singletary's here. Uh, Corey Littleton. Everywhere. I mean, even Larry Tunso, who they acquired a few years back. But they, they have some vets. I think they're a little better than, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. They're two and three. But I do think that they're not in this full-fledged, like, five-year plan. I think they're, they're trying to win games. And we'll explore uh, C.J. Stroud and, and, and how he's – Really, if you look at his numbers, he's on par with the Andrew Lux and the Justin Herberts five games in. Hmm. Wow. But for the purposes of this episode, Bob, I'll let you kind of break down what we'll get into because I know, you know, there's always that NFC North emphasis. 
We do touch on other games outside of the division. We do feel that gravitational pull to the Packers. And they were just on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders. And frankly, it's a game that has left not just Packer fans. I think all football fans are wondering, holy hell, where are the 2023 Packers? Where do they go from here out of the bye week? Uh, where do they, what's Jordan, Jordan Love's immediate future? What's his long-term future? Some people are freaking out more than others. I've got thoughts. You've got thoughts. Let's hear what you have to say. I want to open with this, Tyler. I looked at the, uh, at the, the eight divisions and their records right now. The worst division in the NFL is the good old NFC North. My division, Tyler. They're eight and 12. Um, you know, everybody's kind of bunched, but they are the worst division in football. The best is the NFC West at 11 and eight. Um, so we'll do a position by position on the Packers. They're off next week. And then there's got some, some game that I won't see. And we'll hit in other teams in the North and other teams around the league. Um, you know, Las Vegas is not very good and they beat them 17 to 13. Green Bay had some injury problems. They don't have Bakhtiari. They may never have Bakhtiari again. They didn't have their best offensive weapon, uh, Mr. Jones. They did not have Devondre Campbell, a linebacker. They lost Quay Walker. Uh, He missed 47 of the 64 defensive snaps, and they lost Savage. He missed 28 of the 64. So they're somewhat banged up, and they lost by four. Uh, It would have been worse had the Carlson kid made those two field goals. One was blocked nicely by Nyman. So Green Bay is the youngest team in the NFL. They showed it. Um, It's not good that they played that well with 11 days. They played like that, and they had 11 days off. So they are uh, they're still in second place in the NFC North, and they got to pick it up if they want to make the playoffs, obviously. I still have hope for this team. I really do. They got to get Jones back. They got to get him the ball. Um, they got to get Watson the ball, and he's been banged up. He's got to come to the fore. But I see, uh, I see a team with a lot of pass rush. I see a team when they got Alexander back, and maybe they get Stokes back that can cover. And uh, I think they got a a pretty good shot to post a winning season and maybe get that last slot in the NFC. All right, Tyler, what's your general thoughts before we start going position? I am with you 100%. That's kind of where I'm at, too. For all of the week-to-week ups and downs and crazy fourth quarters and the primetime games that just can inflate overinflate opinions one way or the other. It's so important just to remember it's it's such a long season now with the added game and the added playoff team. Every team is going to go through a stretch worse than this one. I'm I'm not being an apologist, but like the Los Angeles Rams two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, I don't think they won a game in November. It it just, it's set up that way. It's a concerted effort by the NFL to build up the drama and keep teams alive. So when you're with your family on Thanksgiving Day and CBS throws up the in the hunt graphic, right? You've got eight teams that are in the hunt and 
Every every team is accounted for, right? Like still alive in the hunt division, like because they, they they they're kind of giving everybody a little bit of hope. So I'm, I I thought Green Bay would win nine games this year, get into the playoffs. Nothing's really changed that opinion because the Aaron Jones injury is massive. I know Matt Lafleur forgets about him from time to time, but you could tell that second half against Detroit, it's like. The light bulbs went off. We need to get this guy the ball any way possible. Christian Watson is obviously off to a, a, a clunky, delayed start to his season. And just watching that game, I mean, not, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it was just uh, so disjointed is the word I use in our in our chat with, with subscribers. And again, every Sunday game day, hop in on the chat. We, we hang out in there. We don't just talk about the Packers. We talk about all the games. But you had first drive, Matt LaFleur barking at Luke Musgrave, right? All over him, chewing him out. You had no Aaron Jones. Your guy, A.J. Dillon. Not not the A.J. Dillon that they thought. You were dead on with that all along, Bob. Christian Watson, here you've got this 6'4 speedster. He's got all these physical attributes. I think the middle of the fourth quarter, he had like two targets. Use him. Wide receiver screen. Do, do, do something. Kirk Benker, you know, former Packer quarterback, was pretty dang critical of LaFleur and his own experiences on a personal level and, and why he thought he left the team, but also on the offense and just how, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love obviously did not play a great game, but the circumstances around him weren't ideal, let alone all the offensive line issues. And I think a lot of it, if we're playing the blame game, long story short, if we're going to blame somebody for this, I'm more apt to put it on coaching. It just felt like even with the injuries, even with the disjointed nature of it all, there's a way to scheme things up to get in some sort of rhythm. And it was like they just came out running Dylan into a brick wall. Passing game was, you know, the two deep shots, right? Here you go. You you don't have Watson out there for most all of September. Maybe that's the, maybe the timing's off, but one, it goes off his fingertips. Maybe he mistimed it. He catches that. Everybody's praising love for that bomb. He does it again, right? He plays poorly for three quarters and pulls through, and then he missed him on another. So, and the last three plays of the game, you know, he had a drop, I believe, Dobbs, a drop, I believe, Musgrave, and then Jordan Love should have ran, ran for it, and he forces a throw. It's just the offense is obviously a mess. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Guys have been hurt. This is Jordan Love's first season starting. I would definitely just cool. If anybody's absolutely freaking out right now, uh, I don't think there's a need for that. It's it's such a long season that you don't want so to at rush. This point, at this point in 2008, Rodgers had lost three in a row his first year as a starter, and he was two and three after a very uh, – crushing victory at Detroit in week two, 48-25. And then that was their pattern that year. They lost a ton of close games. And um, so they're two and three under love. Um, do I have anything more to add in generally? I saw Bankert's remarks. Um, okay, interesting. Um, I can't, I don't know anything about Bankert really. Um, shall we just go on the positional, Tyler? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. All right. So the wide receivers, um, 
Watson, they weren't throwing to him. Then they finally threw a deep ball. I mean, that's all they really had, you know, without Jones. Um, and they blew that coverage. Man, he's elusive after the catch, this guy. 77-yard play, 43 after the catch. He's hard to run down. He's hard to track down. The, the guy's money, man. Um, the catchable bomb, yeah, he didn't He didn't high point it. That would have been a 52-yard uh, play. You know, I was going to mention this in love, in love section, but the Raiders were without their right corner, number one right corner, their number one nickelback. And then, you know, Peters had been playing poorly. So this was a secondary you could exploit. They only got one pass rusher, really, in Crosby. Um, but it's a young bunch on the road, and you get beat. It happens, man. I mean, I think people were – now, I didn't see that Saints game, but the comeback was pretty remarkable. And I think that just raised expectations through the roof. And it should, no. Um, but it did. And now I, I'm guessing – I don't read or see any stuff, but I'm guessing Packerland is – on the cliff and all this nonsense, but all right, we've covered all that. Um, okay. Dobbs, he was a non-entity, you know, and then he had the drop at the end. Not real impressive. Jaden Reed was a non-entity. He's a pretty good player. Uh, just a non-factor. Wicks was kind of a non-factor. All right, let's go to the tight ends, Musgrave. You know, so I've seen Sam Laporta now. And he's really good. And Musgrave shows natural ability. Now, I don't know what's going on with him and LaFleur. I have no idea about any of that. I know Musgrave, let's get to that test score. Musgrave had a high one. Test score of 30, which was the best among the tight ends. Let's just for drill, let's see what Laporta got. Let's compare the two. All right, Laporta got 25. Laporta is 6'3". 246-460. Musgrave is three inches taller at 6'6", 251. He's five pounds bigger, and he ran faster, 456. He's got a smarter test score. He's got a little better vertical, a little better broad jump, and a little better on the bench press. So I can see where the Packers are in love with Musgrave, but Musgrave didn't play a lot of ball, you know. I mean, he had injury problems. That was last year. Cut short his season right away. So, but he's a great athlete. All right. Um, I don't I don't like him as a blocker right now. I'm sure Lafleur is mad at that. He gets bounced around, Tyler. Uh, he missed a cut block coming across a wham. They like to use his speed on those quick flats. Uh, he can turn up field. That, that was nice stuff. Shows good run after the catch. Made a great hands catch on that low ball. And then he had the drop at the end, which is brutal. All right, let's go to uh, the other draft pick, Kraft, that tight end. I got him for a bad run for minus three against Crosby. He didn't cut off uh, 98 Crosby on a, another running play. He had big holding penalty against that first-round pick, Tyree Wilson. Really a downer performance by Kraft. And Sims, the ex-Viking, he's kind of the blocker guy. He had a bad run late against Crosby. Man, that guy's dynamic as hell, isn't he? And um, he did elude uh, Peters on that flat route and gain an extra 12 yards, which was nice. So the receiving core, 
pretty brutal, huh? Ooh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You uh, <laughs> just detailed exactly why that was. It was ugly. It, it, but the stuff that I miss is just these rookie tight ends in the run game, right? These. That's such. And when I worked on blood and guts, here I go again. Shameless plugs, Bob. Go for it. You, you, you're just the man. Awful. Yeah. What do you Honestly, see there, Tyler? I, I, pro- I promise it was organic. But really, when I'm working on that that project, talking to these tight ends, all these tight end coaches, scouts, like, man, that's an aspect of the sport that just goes so ignored, under, under underappreciated. Just a little, not not necessarily the George Kittle decleating a linebacker or a DB fifteen yards downfield and laughing his ass off while he does it. That's that's fun, but the the just you know shielding a guy, uh, cutting a guy off, pulling so many different types of blocks that go into the position in the trenches. It's you know we can poke fun at the Tony Gonzalez's and the Shannon Sharps and Jimmy Graham's, but all of these guys that they could they could do a lot of that stuff. There, there, there's a reason they were out there as much as they were, and you know now all these tight ends going into the NFL, they're, they're all athletes first, receivers first. They're just they just weren't asked to do it in college. And, and Matt Lafleur's his staff. I mean, they've had to teach these tight ends how to how to do these different types of blocks. And so Mark Bruner, he was a chapter in the book. Uh, there's some 90s nostalgia there, right? Pittsburgh Steelers, just an absolute mauler. Mike Malarkey loved him. He's showing Tony Gonzalez to Bruner clips. And that's that's when his relationship with Gonzalez went south and they almost fought each other at one point. Uh, but Bruner's a scout for the Steelers now. So here's an old school blocker, did it, you know, blocked as well as anybody in his era for, for Bettis, those Steeler teams. And he said, look, we, you just have to look for the willingness to learn how to block is what he told me as a scout. Um, and so that's what they saw in Pat Fryermuth. Like even he was more of a receiver, but he's got the frame. Maybe you put on a little bit of weight and then you can develop as a blocker. Uh, it's yeah. You're, if, if you're, if you're drafting a tight end who can block really, really well, I mean, that's rare to not exist today. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate saying they miss Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis, because they don't, and he was a, a a nothing burger on special teams, you know. But in the run game, he's better than anybody they got right now, and I think that's partly the reason where why Lafleur just kept running between the guards, right? Right, and that, he just he didn't want to get near Crosby, and his tight ends can't block, so he's running. Well, I think between the guard, the guards, and the center. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the center, Myers, okay? I thought he played better this week. Uh, he had some on all that inside run stuff, inside zone. He had some nice, he had a really good combo block on that successful fourth and two. He was ineligible downfield once, almost another time. I kind of liked him. Um, the Raiders have that old guy, John Jenkins, been around with about seven teams at 350 pounder, but I thought he hung in tough with him and uh, he played pretty well. Getting Jenkins back really helped their in, that inside zone game. Uh, steady movement, I got in my notes here. Uh, he's so much better than Royce Newman. And getting Jenkins back with Aaron Jones, that's what they got to do. Um, the other inside player was um, 
Runyon, of course, and uh, I thought he was pretty ordinary. Let's look at the uh, pass protection pressures, combination of sacks, knockdowns, and hurries. That's my definition of pressure. Two for uh, Walker, two for uh, Jenkins, one for Myers, zero for Runyon, and two for Tom. It was a pretty good effort in, in, in the uh, pass pro uh, per, per game. All right. Um, on the outside, Walker, he missed Crosby early for a minus one run. Um, he had a bad run on the goal line, a, a play that only gained one yard. But he was better than the week before. Uh, he wasn't embarrassed by Crosby, I didn't think. Um, didn't give up a sack, gave up three hurries, no knockdowns. And then on the right side, uh, Tom, he was okay too. Um, two pressures. Um, Crosby's just better than those guys, and he kind of controlled the game. I mean, the Raiders don't have anything on defense, really. They got a banged-up secondary, but Crosby was so good. It kept LaFleur off, away from doing what he wanted to do. It kept Love, you know, all screwed up on pins and needles and um, and reduced the run game to just uh, the two A-gaps. So that's it on the old line. Uh, Bakhtiari's gone for however long, and uh, they got to live with this unless they want to play Sean Ryan, who I'm curious to see. They've seen Nyman for almost as two years as a starter. They don't like him as well as these tackles, so that's what they got, T. Any thoughts? Uh, I don't really have any solutions for the Green Bay Packers offensive line. It's... I don't know if anybody does, so you're right. Yeah. You just have to work with what you have. A lot of teams are going through it to some degree. Look at the New York Giants. Right? Daniel Jones just injures his neck. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of comes to a head there with their offensive line against Miami a week after he's sacked 10 times. So um, different. We got into it last week, but like, you know, varying degrees of, of injuries on these different offensive lines. You just have that, – that, that's probably – if I'm putting it on somebody – the head coach, the play caller, the play designer, finding a way to function is 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 everything. Here in Houston, they not uh, for their offensive linemen. They're functioning pretty dang well offensively with a rookie quarterback. Green Bay's rolling out there with a seventh round pick, two twos, a six, and a four. Hmm. They got enough talent. They got a lot of talent yeah. in Jenkins and Tom. Uh, they have enough talent, I think. I'm not saying they're going to be a great line, but if they don't suffer any more injuries, they have some depth, they should be okay. I still think it's a team that can get a winning record with that old line. All right, let's go to Love, huh? Love's next. Mm All righty, everyone. Thank you so much for checking out this free preview of the Ty and Bob pod to get the full episode, nearly two hours worth, of Packers talk, NFC North talk, a lot of Detroit Lions in here as well, looking really good against the Carolina Panthers, and, and you're going to want to hear his Bob McGinn's Jared Goff breakdown, as well as everything in the trenches with the Lions, and, and of course, with this Packers-Raiders game, trying to make sense of where Green Bay's offense possibly goes from here, starting with quarterback Jordan Love and head coach Matt LaFleur. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. GoLongTD.com, monthly options available, annual options. You'll get this podcast, Favre, 
with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre, and of course, as always, the Go Long Show with Jim Monas, in addition to everything over at the site. All profiles, all team deep dives, columns, Q&As, you got it. So we'd love to have you join our community. Again, no ads, no sponsors. We are 100% powered by you. Thank you so much. We'll catch you soon.